walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle. How are we doing today, folks? Good to see you. Good to. Well, I guess I can't see you. Or can I? Well, we got some TNA to talk about. TNA Final Resolution 2007. Woo! Making our debut in the year of 2007 uh, for TNA. Is it a good year? I don't know. In my head. In my head, this is like peak TNA, right? But uh, this show is not a great, <laughs> it's not a great start. But look, there's some good stuff on this show, right? But final resolution, you got the uh, the third match in the trilogy of Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. We got a 30 minute Iron Man match between the two. If you uh, remember, in previous episodes, both Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle, they've they've had two singles matches against each other, and each fella has won one. So they're one apiece. This is the rubber match here, and it's an Iron Man match. And if you, by the way, if you want to go hear about those previous matches, those previous shows that we've gallivanted through (laughs) to get to 2007, if you want to hear about TNA in 2004, 2005, 2006, I cover all that jazz. Just go to apronbump.com and go to the episodes tab and you can select TNA and you'll find all of the TNA episodes that I've recapped with various podcasts, with various guests um, in chronological order, or you can just search TNA and whatever Whatever gimmick you're listening or watching this on, but um, yeah, chronologically reviewing the uh, supposed golden era of TNA. But as as I keep watching it, I'm wondering maybe TNA just wasn't that great. <laughs> it's a, it's a fun. I'll tell you this: TNA always brings the fodder to make fun about on podcasts. So it's it's always a hoot talking about these shows. I mean, we got Bob Backlund here, man. I mean, we we got, we got, uh, I'm trying to, I don't want to spoil too much here, but there are some segments here on this show where I literally, like I sat down and I was like, I'm going to watch this show in one sitting. We're just going to watch it. I'm ready for some TNA that I watch, you know, I get like a third of the way through the show and I'm like, 
I need to, I need to stop. I need to, I need to walk around. I need to go for a walk. I need to go get baptized. Like this, this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot, but I mean, the NWA titles on the line in the main event. It's a rematch from the previous show brought up Joe and Kurt. We got that Iron Man match. We got uh, AMW has just split. So we were, we're starting to see where each guy is going as a singles. We got a lot of questionable characters, a lot of questionable finishes to. I think we should just get right into it because I think the episode will speak for itself, but it is a very TNA episode. It is very clear that this is this is 2007 Vince Russo TNA. I'll just say that. Um, but there is some good stuff and we'll get to it. And we'll get to it with my very special guest, Scott from It's Mr. Scott on YouTube. Joining me on the show was a great time having Scott on for the first time. We'll definitely well, we will definitely uh, be doing this again. It was a good old time. Old sexy Paul Giamatti over there. Um, but go check him out on YouTube. Scott, he reacts to uh, he does a lot of metal based content, uh, not the elements, uh, not the weird Saturday WWF show back in the 90s, although maybe he does react to that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he does a lot of music based content. I think he plays the uh, the cello or one of those. Uh, <laughs> no, it does a lot of uh, metal reaction videos. He does wrestling stuff on his YouTube, too. I was watching his um, his reactions to some like cringy moments in wrestling. Scott's been in the wrestling business, and we'll talk about that kind of in the uh, in the beginning of the episode. But very knowledgeable guy, very entertaining guy at it's Mr. Scott on YouTube. Same thing for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Omegle, chat roulette. All of that stuff will be in the description as well. Give him a follow. He's a good follow on the social medias. He's a good listen. He's a good watch. He's a good taste. Um, but anyways, follow me as well at Apron Ball Ball across the board. TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, X, Instagram. And I think that's about all we got. Plug, huh? Let's get right into it, baby. TNA Final Resolution 2007. With myself and Mr. Scott. You have the most like satisfying voice. I don't know how to describe it. I like it's like <laughs> I want I want it whispering in my ear in like I a not weird way. I get that a lot. Yes, yes. This is if Paul this is if Paul Giamatti had a very sexy voice. That's who you look like. <laughs> Jesus yeah, I know. Christ. I'm not proud of that, but yes, I get that a lot. A better looking one though, right? That also comes with it too. I'm a sexier Paul Giamatti, whatever. That right? Is. Yes. If that's that, a that's thing or not. What everybody that, that's what I put on your little nameplate when the episode comes out. Sexy there you go. Paul Giamatti. Sexy Paul Giamatti. Sexy PG. That's something. Oh, that's was that funny. a wrestler? No, no. no sexy Eddie was a wrestler. PG. PG. Well, PG was 13. The tag team. Yeah, sexy PG thirteen. That doesn't sound right. No, that's, that doesn't sound right. That sounds very bad. Actually, we probably yeah. shouldn't do that. I think Vince may have been trying to book them recently. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Topical. 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 Yes. Look at us go. Look at yes. us go. Look at this go. Yes. <laughs> I'll get into the radio voice now. Welcome to the Abram Bob Podcast. Yeah, you sound like Don West over there. Speaking of which. <laughs> speaking speaking of, of which. which a little TNA action. So did you get a chance to check out the show? I did. I did. And wow. <laughs> it was like, I yeah. forgot about wrestling back at this time. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> what a shock. It was, it was interesting. There were some very, um, 
I'll say TNA uh, moments that we'll get into. There were some yes. segments that had me, uh, I had to like stop watching and kind of walk around for a little bit to kind of process <laughs> yeah, what I just watched. But I did too. I did too. Mm-hmm. You'll certainly get into it. But first, first things first, you yourself uh, have been a big part of wrestling for a while now. Um, so I guess just tell the people like, cause you said you've been a wrestler, a booker, a referee, kind of just like a, a synopsis of your, your history with wrestling. Oh man. So it goes back to 1984, uh, when I was nine years old and I just, I was a very, very athletic kid when I was, when, you know, when I was young, I mean, I did bowling. Yeah. That's something. And so I got, yeah. So I was never really into, you know, any kind of sports or stuff like that. And I'm flicking around TV one day and this wrestling thing comes on. Like, what is this? And I remember watching the movie Rocky three. I'm like, who's the big dude in there with Sylvester Stallone? And What's this MTV crossover stuff? So that's, you know, that was yeah. kind of like the introduction for me into pro wrestling. And then as time went on, time went on, you know, you, you, you just become so engulfed into the culture and wanting mm-hmm. to learn about everything you can. Growing up in the Northeast, all we had was WWF at the time. We would get AWA in syndication. We would get world-class in syndication. Never got uh, NWA, Jim Crocker promotions, anything like right. that, unfortunately, until much later. So it just kept festering and festering, festering me into, and we found out, uh, me and my close circle of friends that we had independent wrestling in our area. And we're like, independent wrestling? What's this? Right, <laughs> we didn't know right. what this was, you know, this is, you know, 96, 97. This is the attitude era ECWs mm-hmm. on the rise. You know, this is when independents are starting to get more hardcore, and then as time goes on, this promotion that we're going to see, like so many others, uh, they break away and they break off and somebody starts their own promotion and so forth. So a promotion started, well, actually it was a school, started in my area. And a friend of mine got hooked up um, as one of the first students and they were going to have a <clears throat> exhibition because this was in New York, which has a wonderful state athletic commission. Oh, that's what I've heard. They, yeah. So wonderful, so so fair, and uh, it's not 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 corrupt at all. No. And um, so they're gonna have an exhibition, which is students against teachers in front of friends and family. Can't charge at the front door. And I was on my buddy, like you got to get me on the show. You got to get me on the show. Whatever it takes, ring announcing, refereeing. I don't care. So I went down there and I did a little voice tryout, and boom, I became the ring announcer. And as time went on, I got to referee. I got to wrestle. Um, I booked for three different small promotions um promoted and i did ring crew for ring of honor at one point uh for about a year uh which was a lot of fun it was right in 2002 to 2003 and uh yeah just got to live that dream of getting to perform in front of people i didn't know whether i was a good guy bad guy uh in my home area or not um i trained under dory funk jr uh for a week at his wrestling conservatory in ocala florida so bighorns up to coach funk and um, yeah, so I've had some pretty cool experiences with it and just been a diehard fan ever since and hasn't left me and it never will. That's awesome. Yeah. You, so you got to see pretty much every, each each angle of wrestling behind the camera, in front of the camera, all of it. Oh, Did you yeah. get beat up by Loki? Uh, I haven't. No, I didn't get beat up by Loki. I have met Loki. Stiffest handshake I think I ever had in my life. Oh, I bet. <laughs> That's, that boy was tight. Uh, him and Ricky Steamboat, two of the tightest handshakes you'll ever have. Really? Um, but yeah, never never took a shot from Loki. I did get uh, a chair shot from Dan Moff. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so you had to get initiated some way, right? I, the I, first I, two years. Well, I got bit in the head by Abdullah the Butcher. Not real, everybody, so I don't oh. have him. 
uh, and then I got the <laughs> then I got the chair. So yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yep. Yeah, I had uh, I had I had HC Loke on the podcast. Uh, I guess probably like a year. Oh, or boy, two. Loke. Loke's and a we, longtime friend of mine too. He's a great guy, and we talked uh, we talked about his match with Abdullah the Butcher, and he had a lot of stories. I, I'm uh, I'm in the run in in that match. That's where I got. Bad. Oh wow, worlds colliding! <laughs> yep, Look at that's, that. That's, that's how because Loke was in charge of the Ring of Honor Ring Crew. And right. because I had known him since I started and he was on the shows that me and my friends were going to see in upstate New York that I've just I've just known him forever. And we've always been good friends. A great guy. I learned a lot from him. I got to wrestle him once and we had a fantastic match. And uh, yeah, I did. He tell you the open your mouth and trust me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yep. Oh, yeah. You never forget. Don't that you story. have a blade? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm currently gushing blood. I guess that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was there for that one. I know that one. Night of the Butcher, December two thousand two. Yes, I'm sure that date is ingrained in your uh, in your memory. Oh, yeah. That was yep. that was. The, a matter of fact, I don't know why this has come back to me now. My first time going there was the month before. It was November two thousand two. That was I forget the name of the show. Uh, Otani and Tanaka against the Scramble Madness. Loki. Maybe no, it wasn't Scramble Madness. Um. I've yeah. definitely seen this show. I can't remember the time. They, they, yeah. All those Murphy Rec Center shows kind of blend right. together. In yeah, my, yeah, yeah. They, they do blend together. But it was Carino, Loki against Otani, and Tanaka was the, the last match of the main event. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that night, I got beat up by Loki and DeVito. And then the next show got bit by Abdullah, then the headshot. Then there was a second show in December, which I don't know if anything happened to us that night. We were always just <laughs> fodder for whoever needed to be. got a night off. So Yeah, yeah. So we got a night off that time. So Lucky yeah, you. It, was, it was it was crazy i i do have a story about uh scramble cage melee if we get to it later on which is that's the night teddy hart was there yes so, um, yes yeah well uh <laughs> loki is here actually kind of yeah. hey. he's, he's, he's present <laughs> he's i'm sorry senshi 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 here. senshi mm-hmm. but uh yeah man final resolution 2007 mm-hmm. any overall thoughts before we get into the nitty-gritty of uh, all the matches and whatnot the potential that tna had at that time and oh. you know the the time that we were in just overall in the business with ECW making the comeback and mm. Raw and SmackDown controversy happening in WWE land TNA Ring of Honor still going there was like Ring of Honor TNA stuff going on mm-hmm. and a lot of other promotions trying to engage with people japan was on the rise again mexico was still going strong canada as well the nwa was still trying to make some kind of impact which you know but um yeah what a time it was and we saw the decline after this time time period and in the wrestling overall i guess you want to say for the mainstream attraction to it it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be for another 10 years really where it would start to pick back up again yeah, those late 2000s, early 2010s, pretty uh, rough. Maybe not from a business yeah. standpoint for WWE, but creatively, for sure, it was definitely, at least it as was, a yeah. fan, for me, it felt like they were an idol for a, a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, that'll tie right into the VKM segment later. But um, Yes. Oh, yeah. They said a lot of things, and they weren't wrong. I mean, there, were a lot, there was a lot of garbage. <laughs> a, lot <laughs> a lot of garbage, garbage on TV, and which mm-hmm. is just, this is a perfect time for a company like TNA or like Ring of Honor to really make waves. And, you know, Kurt Angle just recently became a part of TNA just a few months before this, and that's yeah. kind of, you know, the snowball just keeps going from there. But, um, but TNA, they try to capitalize on it. Maybe they get a little heavy-handed, but again, 
we'll discuss it uh, when we get to that mm-hmm. portion of the show. But let's kick off the show with the last man standing match, huh? Yes. What a way to, what a way to open a pay-per-view. And got, what, a, uh, what a pairing here, AJ Styles and Rhino. Yeah. Yeah, and it's two you, guys you would never like put together in your head, but nope. it works for me. But they had chemistry and told a real good story in the match. Last man standing to start the show was kind of weird. But when you look at it overall, it's like there really wasn't any other place to put it on the show. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, because TNA, because I've been watching all the shows chronologically up until this point, they they don't mm -hmm. typically start off with a big, hot angle match. Like it's usually like a very preliminary. Let's get a few random X Division guys or whatever, Mm -hmm. throw them out there, have an eight minute match, whatever. But this is like a big match that. Has been building for a while. Um, Rhino and AJ. I mean, AJ's recently turned heel. Christian's kind of the center of it, but they just don't like each other. Is essentially the story. Um, and yeah, just a really hot crowd at the at the outset here, which is like maybe this is the way to start out a show. But yeah, um, but yeah, the a crowd good at match. the time. The crowd at the time was also kind of synonymous with TNA at that time because they were right. into it. They were hot. They were hot this whole night. And this is the time where they're really getting into it because we have a dream match scenario happening with Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe. And mm-hmm. it's like, this is what everyone's been wanting to see. And TNA's like, we got this. We got to take care of this best we can. And at the beginning, they did real well with it. Didn't end well, but they got really good with this uh, good traction with that angle mm-hmm. and that feud going. But yeah. yeah, with AJ and Rhino, you're seeing Rhino doing you know, pl- planches over the top right. rope to the floor on the AJ. <laughs> not like, who that. is this guy? You don't expect this stuff. See AJ doing the head dive and everything and doing all his flip stuff. Like, when the hell the phenomenal forearm gets so powerful? He does in this match. He doesn't win. But, right. um, yeah, wrestling logic. But, um, yeah, and I think a finish that satisfied the story at the time. But, again, to start the show with that was a little, eh. There could have been maybe maybe the next match could have gone in that spot but and it's yeah. it's hindsight you know 2020 so for sure but um so the last man standing people listening are probably familiar with wwe's version where you just have to stay down until a count of 10 but they, these guys tna they're playing into a, a playbook i've seen acw incorporate maybe other promotions as well it's the last man standing match but you have to get a fall over the guy before yep. the count starts you have to pin him or submit him what do you think of that concept? Because to me, it feels a little redundant, a little unnecessary. It's like guys are just taking pins and losses for no reason. When you can just, like I said, do it like WWE does now, just counting with their, when they're down for a significant time. I want to say there's always been this discussion, what's the difference between a last man standing and a Texas death match? I think mm-hmm. that's it. I think the pinfall, I think the pinfall is last man standing in Texas death is just a 10 count, but I, I could have that mixed up. My brain don't yeah. function as good as it used to. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like too much counting, if you will. Right. <laughs> in yeah. a way Wrestling fans, numbers, you got numbers, you just leave yeah, that out of it. You know, one, two C, you know, they just don't get there sometimes. Exactly. But, um, but in seriously, it's like, as a wrestling fan in a match, you want to see the one, two, three. Well, you've seen a one, two, three, and now you have to try to count to 10. All right, let's bring them around. Like, oh, we got a one, two, three again, and they get to six. Mm-hmm. And they got a one, two, three, and they get to seven. It's like, I get the up and down of a match, but I think the action should control that, not a count. So right. that's where it's like, and it's, it's kind of an out, it's, and this proves outdated concept. It's been upgraded for modern times to make a little bit more sense. Um, but they do. A great job with it in this context. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. The concept of the match, the match stipulation, I didn't really, like you said, it felt a bit, um, a little, little too stop and start for my taste, but mm-hmm. even, even so, I mean, AJ, like I said, newly turned heel. So it's interesting seeing him break out, you know, just the traditional heel tactics using his wrist mm-hmm. tape to choke the guy, which I feel like you don't see anymore. I feel like we nope, need to bring that back. You don't back. see that anymore. <laughs> um, just old school stuff from AJ, which is great. And then Rhino, I think why this pairing works because you have AJ who's a bumping machine, especially at this point. And then you have Rhino who his whole thing is look how high I could throw this guy or how hard I can slam him. Yeah. So I, th- that just meshes really well. Um, we get a few pinfalls here. I think Rhino hits uh what a spine buster for a pin or some some along those lines. Yeah, Rhino hits a spine mm-hmm. buster for a pin, but AJ gets up and AJ uh does he ever pin Rhino in this match? I'm trying to look through my notes. Uh trying to remember. I could swear he does, but I don't remember exactly what the pin yeah. was. Well, all in all, it doesn't matter because AJ yeah. gets hit with a gore and then Rhino goes to the outside to set up a table because I guess he's anticipating AJ getting back up before the count of ten. But AJ like starts to get up. He's on his knees at like seven. And then he sees Rhino coming after him. He sees the table. He's like, no, no, no. I think I'll just sit right here and lose this match. Which is a, <laughs> such a heel thing to do. And it was really, really executed. But he well lost, though. Like, would he not? He, he, is he not missing out on the winner's purse? That, I mean, that's the, that's the that's the dichotomy of it. That's the rankings. The back and forth. You know, yeah. As as a professional. As a wrestler, you want to win, right? Because you'll right. up the rankings and you'll get the bigger purse money and all that fun stuff. But as a heel, storyline-wise, because it's TV and not just you know wrestling for wrestling's sake, it's television. It's got to be episodic television, yeah. folks. That's where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You want to beat me, and I'd like to beat you, but I see what you're going to do, and I'm going to screw you, which is what he verbally says to him, and I'm just going to take off. So you're not going to get satisfaction tonight. I can beat you some other time. Aki heel stuff. Okay, cool with that. But uh, that's probably one that they had to hash out in in the booker room, in the writing room, and just say, does this make any sense? I don't remember who's booking at this time either. I don't remember who's in charge. Is it Russo at this point? Mm, Yeah. Well, that would that would answer that question then. So, if it's not evident by some of the other stuff that's on, <laughs> let's this call show. Jim Cornette and find out. Okay. <laughs> oh man, but no, yeah. I don't that's know if I could point. swear on here too. I could totally get no. Into yeah, Cornette please, thing, please but, do. <laughs> the more the better. There's my Cornette. That's a good. That's a good Cornette. <laughs> Thank you. It's Thank like it's much. like he's on a roller coaster or God something. Damn. I like it. <laughs> But uh, actually, yeah, this just made me the, mad, so I guess it the, worked. Huh? The micro impression, not to not to beat this dead horse. The micro impression of of Jim Cornette is this. Well, <clears throat> that's it. <laughs> Wait, why was that the best? That was like the best, quickest impression of all time. I like there it. You go. <laughs> Do it again. Well, <laughs> I'll just have you that just recorded that, didn't you, for a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, soundbite, yes. I'll, I'll break it out. Later. Sound bites. There we go. That's why I brought you. That's why you're yeah, here. Right. That's why I'm here. Yay. So, but, yeah, uh, solid match, at least in this context, to start the show up. So, Well, AJ's still alive, according to Rhino. Rhino grabs the mic after the match because, of course, he's not too happy. He's a Rhino, after all. He says, uh, I may have won, but you're still alive. And then he <laughs> chases him to the back and finds him eventually. They, like, cut to, like, the commentary. They're running down the match. And then they cut back to him fighting back through the tunnel. Rhino eventually knocks AJ down, gets a table, sets it up against the tunnel to gore AJ through it into the tunnel with the horns. Yes. And 
But AJ gets out of the way, and Rhino just gores his silly little self through the tunnel mm. and uh, comes out in the losing end of this encounter. So yes. it's a silly goose, I would say. It's Rhino. Gore gone but bad. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the title of the show. It should be. By the, uh, Rhino is a great guy. I got to have him on one of my shows uh, um, back in 2014, I think it was. But yeah, Terry's real nice. He's a real nice guy. I Still think going he at was... It. He was, uh, I want to, I don't want to say this 100%, but I think he was a germaphobe. Didn't shake hands. He did, he did the fist bump thing. So he's like, Hey man, what's going on? Nice to meet you. So I was like, okay, that was cool. I remember a, a quick story about Rhino back when he was in ECW that a buddy of mine told me because Terry is a very quiet type person. He does not bother people. He's not like his TV character, you know, and you may have heard right. about this about him before. So he was in ECW at the time and uh, he's in the locker room and a photographer comes in and says, uh, is Rhino here? Uh, we need you for a photo shoot. So he walks in there. He's got his gimmick on. He's got the spray bottle. Goes to get position. He's like, you about ready, Rhino? Sprays down his hair. Gets it all in front of his face. Says, are you good to go? Okay. <laughs> and the photographer went, just a big wet monster in front of her. In front of them all. Like, all well, then he gets into his character now, doesn't he? <laughs> that was like exactly how I was pictured it in my head, even down to the yep. spray bottle. He's like, he always, he's a wet fella. He's a very Rhino. wet fella. Yes. Um, but yeah, still going at it, Rhino. I think he was just on TNA's uh, pay per view. Uh, yeah, I a think couple, you're couple right. weekends ago or something. So mm-hmm. love to see it. Love to see it. But uh, after that. We follow it up with maybe the match that should have opened uh, a three way for the X Division Championship. Got uh, the champion Christopher Daniels defending against Chris Saban and Jerry Lynn. So the past, did you the present and the future? You have you met Jerry Lynn? I know he was a little bit in Ring of Honor. I didn't really get to meet Jerry, unfortunately. Um, he probably was there a couple of times, but again, ring crew. I'm there to work and you know yeah, do yeah. stuff, so I'm not there to just hang out. Have met Daniels, such a nice guy. Um, I yeah. remember when all of us in the ring crew, because we're all you know we were associated with HC Loke, so we all knew each other from working different companies around New York and New England and stuff like that. So every time we got together, which is a big chum fest. Right. And we would sit in the locker room. They would let us sit in the locker room back at the old Murphy Rec Center there, which was downstairs, this big open area. And we, the ring crew guys, all just be off in the corner, you know, on the side, just kind of hanging out there. And I feel this presence walk up behind me. And I'm like, what's that? I turn around and there's Daniels. How you doing, Chris Daniels? Nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Like He came around to all of us. It wasn't like, young boys, you know, new guys, you got to go up to the veterans and shake their hand. He walked right up to us and was like, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a really, really nice guy. So, wow. Yeah, You're just... No problems. No problems with Christopher Daniels at all. I can only go by my own personal uh, right. time meeting him. And that was that. Saban was there, too, at the time. Jeremy, I yeah. was his name. And um, he was brand new getting into the business at that, that time because this was, like I said, 2002, 2003. But he was mm-hmm. quiet. He was nice. He was still trying to find his time. But Jerry, unfortunately, because I'm a big metalhead, and I know Jerry's a metalhead too, so I think we would have had a lot of fun conversations, but uh, uh, not at that particular time. Right, right. Well, you wouldn't have disrespected Jerry Lynn had you nope. met him, much like nope. Chris Saban <laughs> and Christopher Daniels apparently are, just not not – Give them respect to the old, uh, not the old, what's the word? The, their elders, their uh, more experienced, experienced 
yes. uh, cohort seasoned here, so. veterans season put a little seasoned. season in on it um but we got a triple threat match here and I, this match is pretty fun it was a sprint match. you know it kind of just mm-hmm. bombs right out the gate we got uh you know Saban he's his springboard drop kick that he hits like three quarters of the way across the ring mm-hmm. just levitates um daniels daniels i mean he's just always the center piece and he's always great at it and jerry lynn even looked i mean he's, he's relatively young i guess at this yeah. point i mean he's like in the later part of his career but he's still like he's, a good he's shape. younger he's, than he's younger in that match than than i am now so well that's something Take that for what it's worth <laughs> that is a, that is a fact yeah um but yeah, I thought all got all these guys looked good. Really good match at the end here. We got uh, Jerry Lynn hitting the cradle pile driver on the Christopher mm-hmm. Daniels, and then Saban, that cheeky bastard, just Steal rolls it. up Lynn, picks up the bones with the tights, rolls them up, pins them. New champion, Mister Chris mm-hmm. Saban. But yeah, hell of a match. What do you think about it? Great match, great match, and uh, again, that was so spot on of the time frame when with TNA too was like, what was their stand a standout? It was the X division. And this mm-hmm. is the perfect example. And I agree. I think this should probably should have opened the show, whether the heel goes up or not, you want to get something that gets the crowd into it and gets them excited. That's what this match did. So it could have swapped one and two, but again, hindsight, it doesn't really matter now, but mm-hmm. a solid match for that time. And to see these guys, you know, see what Saban has gone on to do, especially with TNA impact and TNA, and even Lynn's career later on, he would win the ROH title, and now he was he works for AEW, I think, still yeah. behind the scenes. And Daniels, we know his situation too with AEW, you know, whatever that is nowadays. I'm he's not he's around. He's, I think he's fighting Curry Man at a show. Is he? Uh, oh, okay. At yep. some point, so I don't know how. Uh, how that's I don't know going. how he's going to do that. But if anybody could do it, Chris could. Well, do I mean, it. he's not Curry Man. I mean, Curry Man is Curry. But man. he could do it. Probably, he'd find a way. He, he could probably do a good impression. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he would. Yeah. It, yeah. You, when you were saying that, isn't it crazy that Chris Saban is still the X Division champion twenty years later? <laughs> twenty years later, he still got oh, the wow. title. Ages like a fine wine. Maybe that kid's gonna move up to main event someday. I don't know. Maybe one day. I don't Maybe know. He's, he, has, he has more dues to pay. I think so. a lot of dues to pay, kid. Yeah, pay your dues, kid. <laughs> Freaking greenhorn. It's only halfway through his life and his career. <laughs> um, oh boy, howdy. We go backstage. So we have that great X division action, the high fly and the great counters and all that stuff. And now we got the paparazzi championship series. The P C S <laughs> what's wrong, Mr. Scott. <sighs> I fast forwarded through some of this. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? I know. Well, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me lay the groundwork here. The, the, the PCS it it's, it's mm-hmm. a, a coveted uh, tournament. Um, one of the most respected tournaments in all of professional wrestling. Yes. It's, it's a run by X Division pioneer Kevin Nash, mm-hmm. and he's um, taken some of these X Division guys that are like good workers, but the character's not there. And Kevin Nash, you know, a character among characters, is trying to instill this into these guys. We got Alex Shelley, we got Austin Aries or Austin Star, as he's known here. Star, yes, but also mm-hmm. member, also competitors in the PCS. You got Jay Lethal. You got Sanjay Dutt, and you got Senshi, otherwise it's Loki. Mm-hmm. And Loki, I mean, he's participating in all these, you know, on the impacts leading up to this show. We got pogo competitions, like pogo stick. 
we got poker competitions, push-up competitions, limbo, musical chairs. This is build. We're building the X division here, and Kevin Nash is helping <laughs> these guys along the way learn the ways. And we have yep. come to the finals, which is Austin Star versus Alex Shelley. And you hear that, you're like, oh, those two guys can go in the ring. Probably going to be a great match. And it's actually a good match. You know, it is a good all match. The, it is all, a good despite match. all the shenanigans. The, the, the path to get there is a little rough, but uh, you, you do get to it. And it yeah. is a solid match between the two of them. So, again, two guys that great chemistry. They're part of Generation Next, I think it was, in, in uh, Ring yes. of Honor, uh, along with Jack Evans and Roderick Strong. Uh, right. So. You know, these guys were destined to be the next, the future stars, which you got to say, I mean, in, in that time frame, yes, they were going to become names that people remembered. Uh, Austin star, Austin Aries, you know, yeah, you know, he's got a little thing. Yeah. He's got a thing going on there. Alex little Shelley rocket. from new Japan time shifters and then coming back to the States and still rocking it in TNA to this very day. Yes. Still. At the top so, of his game now too. Top just of his game was just, just the world champion. Yeah. Yep. Dropped it to moose and all that stuff after they did the, the belt switch and have gone back mm-hmm. to the TNA branding. So, you know, you still got, regardless of what they did at that time, they still have, they still had stuck with it for quite amount of time. And, you know, Shelly has gone on. Jay lethal has gone on. Sanjay Dutt works behind the scenes. Um, uh, Loki, not so much anymore. You know, if you knock out enough guys, I guess you kind of get a bit of a reputation. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. accidents happen. But um, he's not stiff at all. But no, um, no, no, no. And so it's it's just the thing, you know. The Nash thing, I you can see why they're doing it. They're playing it off the vanilla midgets thing that Nash was infamous for saying. And right. so he's got you know, if anybody is going to help you develop your character, Vinny Vegas is going to be that guy. Of course, Oz. Oz yeah. is going to show Oz you how was, to make uh, it in this business. Steel. Oh my God, Steel was the, money. He was so much money. What was mm-hmm. he in the the Ninja Turtles movie? Punisher. Super Shredder. Movie? Super Shredder. Super Shredder. Super Shredder. He's yes. here to mm-hmm. to show these kids the way. But uh, I mean, you you're all correct. You're, you're right in saying all those things. But you, it seems like you're trying to ignore the judges, Scott. Oh yeah, the judges. The judges, because this is not just a normal match. It's I'm a such a plebeian about that. I apologize. I was about to say that, but thank God you did. <laughs> right um, there, we're right there. See, we're on the same wavelength. That's why. It's a ten minute time limit match. Ten but if minutes. The ten minutes elapses. If it elapses, it goes to the judges. And who are the judges? You might you may ask. Mm-hmm. Well, we got Bob Backlund here. Yeah, the guy. That guy. Um, that guy. He's here, and for whatever reason, he's probably the most competent judge because the other two are <laughs> Samoan Joe. Which when that guy me... came out, I thought it was me. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Did I get booked on the show? <laughs> I mean, you you would be better. I mean, this Samoan Joe when he was announced, that was probably my biggest laugh of the entire show. That was just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, and I quote. Big fat naked oily guy, or is he big oily fat guy? I forget. Big fat naked oily guy. I think that flows better than big oily naked fat guy. Big, big fat yeah, big oil. naked fat oily guy. Big Let's naked fat oily guy. Yeah, I think that works better. Yeah, either's great. Either's it's got to have a cadence to it. You know, we got to sell T-shirts here. Get merch going. Look at you, this guy. This guy knows the business. He's always <laughs> thinking. Right. Always. 
But yeah, you brought like it's a great match. You know, <laughs> we have all these guys. They're ringside. They're at a table. They're taking notes. Fat, oily guys eating Doritos because he's fat. Do you get it? Do you get it? Ah, you get it? Ah. Do you understand the joke? This fucking company, man. <laughs> by, by the way, it should be said it's a it's a uh, a spoof on the the naked oily guy from WWE because they're making fun yes, of the X. Big Dick and Mm-hmm. Hey, big Dick Johnson. I knew he had, had a name. Yes. How disrespectful of me. Let's call him the other big fat. Which I guy. think he was one of the writers too. I think he was wow. one of the writers on SmackDown. That's how he that's why he was there. <laughs> <laughs> what did he write where the punishment was like? <laughs> Obviously that segment. So like, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> oh, that, that's it. He just wanted an excuse hey, pal, to be, oil, be oiled and naked <laughs> on the show. You'll be like yeah. a big fat oily guy. We'll get you on there. <laughs> That'll be oh, great. Boy. <laughs> Man, Vince impressions make me very unsettling now. <laughs> like very unsettled. They're like set I will a tingle not down do my them anymore. When I do it anymore, just keep if, I the really pants down. Off, if I get really pissed off, I'm pulling out my Terry Funk impression, which is oh boy. We well, gotta get Terry, there. We gotta get there. If so. Terry Funk shows up here, I mean, you just never know with TNA these days. You never. It's, you never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, these two guys, like you said, they were both in Generation Next, so there's obviously the innate chemistry there. Really, mm-hmm. really refreshing kind of style here because Shelley's very chain wrestling based, but with the fluidity of being a young and semi high flying guy and Austin Star. I mean, goddamn pal, say what you want about his personality, but his his in ring style. He's the most explosive wrestler I think I've ever seen. I mean, he's just incredible. Yeah. Um, but the match, uh, wouldn't you know it? Time limit draw. We got Austin Starr, he locks in Shelly and Camel Clutch, and then the time ring rings or whatever the hell. Um, mm-hmm. But Kevin Nash, look, the, the road that we've taken to get here, we can't just end in a tie. No. I mean, what, we we just got to not have a PCS champion? I mean, that'd we be silly. We got to have it. We got to have it. So we say five more minutes, Kevin Nash says, which my question is why not just make it a 15-minute? I don't know. Um, but we got the bell rings. We restart the match, a bunch of quick roll-ups. They're trading, they're, they're countering. And, uh, Shelly ends up coming on the winning end here with a roll-up in like, like 10 seconds after the bell is very quick, yeah. but <laughs> Alex Shelly wins. He wins the trophy. And I guess he wins, uh, Kevin Nash's love, I guess. Was that I was also that was an element? Thing, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all trying to, cause Shelly in particular was really close to Nash. They were all, you know, in paparazzi before this whole thing. And, Austin stars kind of gained uh, some of Kevin Nash's uh, his eyes, you know, he's, he's kind of looking at him like, Oh, maybe this is my new, uh, boy, this might be the guy. Yeah. So, but Alex Shelley wins the trophy is presented. The other competitors come out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's some post-match, uh, there's some post, well, don't forget the pre-match too. the highly awkward (laughs) pre-match. Between no awkward. What was awkward about it? It was just Bob Backlund <laughs> getting introduced. He clearly had a plan of what he wanted to say. Clearly. Yeah, I right. don't know what you could think was awkward about it. Nah, yeah, you're right. I, mean, I probably read the room wrong. It's just one of those things. He could have had a flashback yeah. to MSG. You right. know, that was eight seconds, and like, man, that could really just like. Actually, I blame Bob Backlund snapping on a buddy of mine because we actually went to a autograph signing that Bob Backlund was at. And this was like 90, 94, 95, something like that. And it was before that, excuse me, it was like 93. And my friend brought a picture to Bob Backlund to sign. And it was a picture of Bob Backlund in a Campbell clutch. <laughs> so we think when Bob saw that, he snapped. I so love we that. always blame my buddy for 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 doing that. So yeah, it's his fault. 
did he put good him work, in Scotty. a clutch? I hope he put him in later, or a chicken wing at least. Yeah. I mean, come on. He can't just get off scot-free like that. Yeah. You make him bumble. Oh, mm-hmm. the, like the dating app. You make him go find yes. love in a really inconvenient way. Okay. I see. See, uh, th- there's the generation gap. I'm thinking of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But that, oh, yeah. yeah. Those different, bumbles bounce. Different bumbles. Kids out there have no freaking clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Moving on, we've talked about this segment longer than it already was. No, 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 no. We are we are not done. Don't you try to try to shoot on through this. Austin Starr is upset. He he, is. He's he's been screwed over by a, a man who Austin looked at as a, as a father figure of sorts, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, and he says he didn't come to TNA to do all these games, to do all these shenanigans, to wear the the tassels, whatever the hell. <laughs> and uh, he looks over at Loki because you know Sanjay J Lethal. Uh, Alex Shelley, they're like, no, fuck you, bud. But since she's kind of there, neutral as low key is. Uh, hey, what do you mean? Whoa, whoa, I don't even know what, what company is this. Is this Rig of Water? No. <laughs> but uh, Austin Star is like, come on, come on, Senshi, let's go. And Senshi, you don't tell Senshi what to do. So then they fight, they scuffle, and then Bob Backlund, <laughs> like talking about low key and Austin Aries having a segment and then all of a sudden Bob Backlund comes out of nowhere. Like that just seems like a thing that didn't really happen, but no, no short story. So short. Uh, Austin star on a chicken wing and uh very bad night for that fella. Very bad night. Yep. No trophy and broken arm or neck or whatever the hell. Mm. Well, we got uh, the patriarch of the Canadian destroyer up next. We got Petey Williams versus mm-hmm. James storm, who is accompanied by Gail Kim. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, what did you think? I mean, so the bill is up, I guess, before we talk about the match itself. AMW, uh, one of the biggest tag teams in TNA history, is, uh, has come to an end yep. the weeks before this. Harris and Storm, they lost. I mean, they've been having tension for several months, but uh, they lost a match on Impact where if they lost, they had to disband. But they lost because James Storm hit his partner, Chris Harris, in the face with a beer bottle. Dun, and, dun, uh, dun. I mean, who would have thought it? Who would have thunk yeah. it? Why, James? Why is what why? I said. Is what I yelled at the TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harris is not here because he's still dealing with the eye injuries. He said on Impact that he may, he might even have to retire. He might not come back to wrestling. So it's a mm-hmm. very sad state for uh, for uh, Braden Walker here. But um, I was just gonna say it too. <laughs> I was actually trying to figure out a joke to throw in there. <laughs> I always try and I try to find a pivot to Braden Walker. Oh, no, there was the joke. He's I like he, he's working with that bad eye. I mean, he's walking with a crutch. He's walking with a walker. You know, it, that was the inspiration for the name. <laughs> I was like, and good night, everybody. Joke. There's gotta be a good joke coming. And I was, ah, was sadly you. mistaken. Look at Where's that. Where's that been all my life? Look at that. Yeah, so. That's more like it, yeah. That's more yeah. Like it. Oh, you've seen one of my matches. Thank you. <laughs> so. What was your finish? I got to ask. Uh, leaving the building. <laughs> look, it up, look it up at the lights. Look it up at the lights. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> down the ring. What was your finish? One, two, three. Everybody else. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I used, I was so basic because I can't do shit. So I was doing DDT for a finish. I did close yeah, a good one. for a finish. I did a lot of submissions, though. I was a big fan of, like, British-style wrestling and submission wrestling and chaining right. and stuff like that. I love Regal and, you know, guys. The British guys, too, that, like, uh, Nigel McGuinness at the time, 
uh, just everybody in that that was learning that style. I was a big fan of that, so I would try to find some kind of weird contortionist way to put you, you know, lock you up and stuff like that. And like, oh, let me try this. Oh, let's do this. Yeah, you know, that was that was the fun I got to have doing that kind of thing. But then you so. just end up using brass knucks to channel Regal and stuff. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Power the bunch. <laughs> Knuckle dusters. Well, uh, no brass knucks in this match. Well, they're kind of no. Well, well, that's debatable, I guess. Uh, but we got AMW. They've come to an end. James Storm turned on his partner, so everybody hates him. Gail Kim is only reluctantly with James Storm because James Storm yelled at her and said, hey, there's no women's division. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You got to stay with me, I guess, huh, if you want a job, which I don't know who gave him this authority. Seems yeah, like poor management. Um, but so James and Petey Williams, it's, kind of, it's a weird character pivot. So he's for years, he's been in Team Canada, like kind of ahead of that faction. And the whole faction was like, ah, USA sucks. Yeah, you guys are stupid in your taxes and your health care and whatnot. And so that was who Petey Williams was for years. And now all of a sudden, he's like the American hero. He stopped LAX from burning the American flag. He's a al- He aligned himself with AMW. So now he's a baby fan. I don't know, kind of a weird. I don't know. Do you remember Petey Williams in this era? Do you remember like this character switch happening? Yeah, because again, he was he was one of those guys that got over because of his finish, you know, Canadian Destroyer and all that stuff. But what, that was kind of like the that was the the stick to get you to watch his match, the stick and the carrot, you know. So you got right. to watch his match. It's like, oh yeah, this actually this guy's got talent. Does that much of a character right now? We would see that later on with the, you know the math genius, but um, yeah. Yeah, we would see we would see a development from him. And this was another time where it's like this guy could go anywhere. You know, WWE could snatch mm-hmm. him up. He could stay in TNA, be a ring of honor. Uh, I remember seeing him do some fun stuff in PWG, uh, doing some matches out there. We got to be a little bit more comical and show a little bit more of his real personality. So right. um, and now he, he's behind. Is he? Yeah, he's behind the scenes. Yeah, of WWE. He's, he's now often too. like, you know, when they break up brawls or whatever, right, security right, comes yeah. out, he's, he's in yeah. there a lot of times. Well, the pull apart guys. Uh oh, they're sending out the cruiserweight division to get me. <laughs> but um, they will surely stop this. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, that's a guy's good point that that Canadian destroyer. Because in my head, it's like, oh, that's his crutch. That's the only thing he's known for. But you, you, you're waiting for it the entire match, and then right. that makes you watch the match. So I guess yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this match is what it is. You know, PD's mad at James. It didn't do much for me. It was kind of you know. It was there. It wasn't actively bad, but I think this was more about the the post-match than the match itself, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had a good chemistry in the ring. They had a solid match. Um, it was not meant to be anything fantastic because it was middle of the card. You know, it's it's one of the, the you know, the, the we're coming down right. on the on the hill right now, so we're going to come up in a little bit. So it's got to keep that momentum going. But, uh, you know, having Gail Kim out there is not a bad thing. And um, oh. James is trying to develop now as a singles because, you know, him and Chris were married for so long. I want to say it was Dusty Rhodes that put them together and made America's mm-hmm. Most Wanted as a team. Uh, my wife was a big fan of America's Most Wanted too. And uh, who could forget the Six Sides of Steel, <laughs> you oh, know, against yeah. Elix Skipper and Christopher Daniels. I mean, that match lives on in infamy still. So, so um, this is Storm's chance to break out. It's a chance for PD to kind of get into a story and not just be an right. accessory for the story with with Team Canada. So it was a chance for everyone to kind of break out and not everything is, you know, is a hundred mile dash. Sometimes you got to trot along before you find your footing. You really get going with that push. So, right. Like at this point, who would you have guessed from AMW would go on to have a more successful singles career? No, it was definitely going to be storm of the two because 
Harris was good, but he lacked that character. He lacked that yeah. connection that Storm had. Storm was a fun-loving, you know, Tennessee cowboy drinking beer down the ring. Make more beer, you know. No more beer for Storm. Just get some coffee, you know. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, he was the comedy, and Harris was the straight man. And that what that's how the team worked forever. And then once it broke off, it's like, what do you do with Chris? James, you're kind of set. We're good with you. We know what to do with you. Chris, what do we do with you? You're the wildcat. What does that mean? <laughs> it was always okay, interesting, cool. though, because like on TV, because I agree, but like on TV, it always came off like Chris Harris was the star of the tag team. Like mm-hmm. that's always how they framed it. But like you said, James, I mean, because they would push Chris Harris pretty hard right out the gate. I think he was in the world title match at Slammiversary this year. Yep. Um, but James Storm would have maybe a slower ascent, but that ascent, I mean, it just kept on going. So attitude uh, goes a long way too. attitude back. You know, there was rumors of plenty back then that Harris was being difficult backstage. I kind of have a problem believing that myself never met the guy, but I I just don't see that, but I could be wrong. Uh, but I think storm is the kind of guy everyone just gets along with everyone likes, you know, he's like the Arn Anderson of the time, because back in Jim Crockett mm. promotions, Anderson was, he was a locker room comedy. Everyone loved Arn. Tully was a professional fuss budget to quote Jim Cornette. So Whoa. that, that probably would be the dichotomy here. <laughs> you know, the same, yeah. same setup. Everyone loves James. Chris is kind of take or leave. So James is, is set and still James is wrestling to this day. Not as, you know, as prevalent, but he's, he's, he's still wrestling. I think he's got his real estate license now, so he's got other stuff oh, going nice. on in his life. And I think I know he's got uh, at least one one kid. I think he's got a daughter who's in college now. So, right. you know, he's got his life together. So good on him. Harris, yeah. you don't hear much from him anymore. And that whole Braden Walker thing we joked knock, about knock. earlier was the big big thing. Yeah. Close line, <laughs> close line, close line. It's, knock knock. <laughs> so what a what a time, what a fever dream that was. It feels like. <laughs> Um, but you say everybody likes James Storm. Well, it doesn't seem like Gail Kim is particularly <laughs> fond of James because after the match, James, mm. well, I don't even think we should drop the finish, but uh, a Canadian destroyer from PD was countered into a roll up from James mm. Storm and he holds onto the ropes. There we go. We're solidifying James Storm here. So it was what it was. But after the match, PD Williams, he's appealing to the ref because of the ropes and all the whatnot. And then uh, as he's conferring with the ref, James Storm comes from the back with a Pearl Harbor job. Well, I guess it's after the fact, so it's not really a Pearl Harbor. But he attacks uh, he attacks Petey and then uh, grabs handcuffs from Gail Kim, which commentary is leading us to believe that Gail was just wearing these handcuffs as a fashion accessory, as was right. the style back then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was in the wrong circle of friends. She went to Hot Topic like everybody else at the time. Yeah, it is Orlando. It kind of feels like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, James handcuffs Petey to the second rope in the corner and grabs his beer belt bottle as if he's going to hit Petey Williams, Petey Williams with it. Gail Kim stops him. Doesn't what he say? She says he's had enough. He's had enough. Please stop. So James Storm grabs her by the hair and goes to hit her with the bottle in her face, I guess. But uh, she low blows him and starts attacking Storm. But who makes the save? None other than Jacqueline from mm-hmm. WWE, the former <laughs> cruiserweight champion. Yes. Uh, is here and attacks Gail Kim and seemingly aligns with James Storm as they do uh, AMW's finisher, the death sentence with Gail doing the leg drop portion of it. So mm-hmm. very interesting debut. I wonder if yeah. uh, 
I wonder if the concept of a women's division is in the works. Maybe that, that's why they're bringing a Jackie or just to have another valet. I don't know. What do uh, you think about all this? All this. Well, you, you think storyline wise, it's okay. We're, they're trying to, they're trying to like cram like three weeks worth of TV into one match. You know, they yeah. could have broken this up, but they just wanted to hot shot it. And if Russo's in charge backstage, there's your answer why they're doing this. But, um, you that that you sit back you look at it now you know so many years later like okay so james had jacqueline in the back on standby so in case gail Mm -hmm. did something not with him she could run out what if gail actually went with him would he have both gail and jacqueline and pd would be stuck i mean where's the logic here where we're yeah, where's the wrestling logic? I'm sorry, let me clarify. Because logic, right. <laughs> so where's the wrestling storyline going here? And there's a lot of questions to it. Why, you know, is it, as you said earlier, why is Petey the guy <laughs> that's yeah. all of a sudden like, being all gung ho American? And, yeah. Right. So like, a lot like, of questions. Why is that? It, it's like they're going from one extreme to the other, but yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I guess it, it, you know, kind of prompts intrigue in your mind a bit. It's like, why is she here? So maybe you'll tune in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, to your point from earlier, yep. to get your reason TV, to tune exactly. in, it's impact the spike TV, you know, right mm-hmm. after, uh, what was the game show with the Japanese guys? You know what I'm talking about? Ultimate, oh, I know what you're talking about too. That extreme challenge. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Of it. I don't know. Everybody knows what we're talking about, <laughs> but we, I remember, uh, so, I remember roller, roller ball or whatever that was in him after ECW. <laughs> what a time. TNN. <laughs> what a time. Well, what a time. <laughs> A time also, 2007 was also a time, and 2007 is where we have VKM, who are out next. The Voodoo Ken Mafia, not the other one. Not the other one. It's just no. happenstance that this is their acronyms. Uh, of course, for people who are unfamiliar, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, they have formed a new, they've renamed their tag team VKM, and they've been poking fun directly at WWE, not through metaphors or whatever. And then just, hey, this is why your show sucks. I'm going to yell it into the camera for several mm-hmm. minutes. Yep. And um, they did, I mean, they did silly little segments on impact of uh, that, that they went to a WWE live event. So they're basically like mm-hmm. replicating what replicating what WWF uh, did with the X kind of uh, invading WCW. So I guess they're trying to tap into that a little bit. I don't know. Any memories of VKM? Any thoughts on them? I just remember this being a bad time for both um, Brian and Kip. Uh, just they were not in the right headspace. They were yeah. having their problems. It's been documented. I'm not saying anything out of school here. So they were just bitter. They were just wanted to vent their frustrations. They needed somebody to blame. So we're just going to take up the time on this this show's pay-per-view that they're paying us to just completely talk about the other company for about 10, 15 minutes now. It's okay. It's cool. It'll, it'll get buy rates. Yeah. It just did not make any freaking sense other than them just venting. And that's where management has to step in and said, no guys, we're not doing that here. Okay. Yeah. You're going to wrestle tonight. Okay. That's where you're here. We pay you to wrestle. You're You're going to have a tag match. You want to go out there and bitch and complain at this point. Talk to Rob Feinstein. You can go on our video and do that. Mm. Oh, wait, they did that, too. Never mind. So <laughs> it's, the wrestling it business just, is, is as a whole, man. Is, uh, what a treat. Everyone just got a bitch and complain. And just uh. <laughs> when you're in the freaking bubble, when you are in the wrestling bubble, it has to take a tumultuous, brutal 
brick <laughs> to pop that damn thing because it's mm. really it's a really a thick bubble. I've been in it, okay, on the lower tier independent level. I've been in that bubble too. Everybody has. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to be careful when you're in that damn thing. And if you got to have people around you to keep you somewhat grounded, because when that bubble bursts, you'll probably just go like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like stepping off a curb, like, okay, all right, I'm out of it now. I see life in a different way and I see things better. I know guys on the minor, minor, minor independent scene in that damn bubble. And that thing is 15,000 feet in the air. And when right. that bubble bursts, that's a long freaking way to fall and you land hard. So well, sometimes you don't point. come back from it. So that's that's my philosophy about that. And this is a prime example of that. Both guys have gone on. You know, Brian's back working for WWE and uh, Guns <laughs> Guns had this big resurgence of his yeah. career. You know, <laughs> scissor me, daddy. So, yeah, that whole thing there, too. So they're doing something right. Good for them. They were there with the DX uh, induction of the Hall of Fame together with right. everybody. So. They got to do that. So they made amends, thankfully, and until this day, you know, Billy Gunn said, you can't fire me. I don't work here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of the best things, technology. Yeah. Stuff. So everyone goes through their shit. Everyone has their downtimes. Thankfully, they were able to come out of it. But at this particular point in time, dead wronged for doing it like this. Yeah, and I'm wondering if... Uh, so the whole premise here is they, uh, on impact issued a million dollar chat or map in the last pay-per-view a million dollar challenge to michael hickenbottom and paul Ovec, of course sean michaels triple h bang, bang. i guess the idea was hey we'll pay you a million dollars you come on our pay-per-view when we we wrestle you i guess mm-hmm. which i feel like uh price tag might need a few more zeros um but the i guess this whole thing comes to an end because triple h apparently injured his quad uh soon before this so that that's why they didn't appear on tna is because he of tore course. his quad unfortunately Ain't that so, but uh road dog is even like or bg james he's like heal your wheel paul so he's like <laughs> giving him shout a shout out in a positive manner so i guess this whole anti-dx thing is is over they basically the whole premise is that they that they've they've thought the skits that dx was doing on raw were bad and mm-hmm. Which I guess they were in hindsight. I think at the time, at the time I was young teenager, so, uh, so yeah, I enjoyed them. So. But <laughs> they were they were aimed at this demographic, right? And that's, and that's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But uh, you know, it's you know, PG James. He keeps you know brings up the K Fed thing where he beat John <laughs> Cena Raw, which is something I forgot happened. But yeah, I forgot that too. I was like, oh my god, that did happen. Jesus. This is that this is that timeline. And I guess they had the celeb lookalike match, which I meant to look this up. Is that the Hillary and Obama? No, that wouldn't have been no, 2007. Uh, 2007. Yeah, uh, no, maybe. No. Maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been because, uh, yeah, 2007, 2008. Yeah. So yeah, that would have yeah, been yeah. the Obama uh, right. Hillary. Thing. Uh, fun fact. Hillary was uh, a friend of ours, uh, Lexi Fife, who wrestles down in Florida. Uh, she wrestled oh. for Shimmer and Shine and Rise, and she's one of the best women's wrestlers out there. So big shout out to uh, to Lexi. At first, I thought you were talking about Hillary Clinton. Like you, knew, oh, I know her. Yeah, she's great. She's <laughs> no, friend. No, she, no, she wrestled. No. Yeah, she what? wrestled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did I miss that? She's under <laughs> no, a mask. Sorry, no. Yeah, her and Chelsea were a hell of a mom daughter tag team. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, because Seaman Pow and Wow and, and Now and How and all that stuff. <laughs> What could have been? What could have what been? What could have but, been? Uh, mm. 
And look, the VKM days, they keep running down WWE saying that they've declared victory because of their, I guess, their creative is bad. So that means that that means they BG James and Kip Jam. This is half the segment. And this is the less stupid part of right. the segment, because then Christy Hemi comes out, who uh, to this point had only been used as like a backstage announcer. Like she, there's no character. She's just in the background. So this is a very bizarre just right out the gate. Like, here's what this lady's all about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So VKM, they've been talking about, hey, me and Billy were the foundation of DX, not Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And then Christy Hemi comes out because why do you guys never bring up China? Why would they? Are they going to challenge why? China to a match? Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Hemi is in tears. She's hysterical. Yeah. Like, she just watched her mother get stabbed backstage and ran out of here. Like, she is. Yeah. Not a happy camper. No. She's saying, what? Well, because why don't you bring up China? Because she's just a woman. We're all disposable. You men think us women, which I'm saying this now. And after the news heard earlier, is maybe she's not. Maybe somebody. Maybe <laughs> yeah. somebody Great timing this. on this one. Yes. Yeah. Man, this will be a couple days after the fact. People yeah. forget, right? No one will remember at, by then. <clears throat> no, something else will happen. Uh, it'll be after the Royal Rumble, you know? So Yeah, exactly. It's all about that. So, mm-hmm. So this is is all bizarre. I mean, it is very very dramatic, over dramatic. Some may say there's a a we want wrestling (laughs) chant in the crowd, which is the second pay-per-view in a row. We've seen that. So it's like, (laughs) maybe is anybody listening? Does anybody have their ears on listening to the show? Mm -hmm. Um, Hemi says that we deserve respect as the crowd chants boring at her. This is just very 2007. Mm -hmm. Very 2007, yeah. Wrestling fans out there, there was a time where women's wrestling was not as welcome as it is now. Pretty much at this time, all you had was Shimmer. You know, you had the Shimmer promotion, and those ladies were kicking ass, but it was hard for them to get work anywhere else besides, like, internationally. You get them in Japan and Canada and Mexico and England and stuff like that. But in the States, especially on television, didn't draw, didn't, didn't bring ratings, they thought. So... They didn't well, care Scott, about the back. Then. I think I think the reason is, I mean, Kip James explains why uh, women weren't wrestling anywhere else is because they're only good for two things. Two things. Yep. And that so was, was the mentality. The, was the two things sucking and dick or was it just sucking dick and then something else? Because I didn't so, hear the uh, second one. Yeah, I forget what it was. I, don't I thought he was going to intimate that and then Brian cut him off. Yeah, it so, seems about I mean, making making babies and and you know doing all that stuff. It, typical male chauvinist type stuff. Listen uh, here, you little slut. Yeah, which is an actual <laughs> thing he said. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's it just so crazy. This is wild. And the Hemi Hemi slaps him, of course. And then mm-hmm. there, there's a pull apart between Billy Gunn and Christy Hemi on a pay per view. So, <laughs> and of all people in the middle, Road Dog is trying to be the voice of reason. <laughs> the voice of reason. Yeah, the guy it who is, said uh, "suck it" and would do the the stretch Armstrong and do the little hump thing to your ass right before right. you give you the finish. Oh yeah. He's the guy who's the voice of reason. Okay, guys. Uh, and I always trust a road dog. Well, trust them. Watch them weirdly enough. I don't even know if that's the part of the show that annoyed me the most. I think it was this <laughs> next match. We got the uh, NWA tag titles on the line. We got the champions LAX the team of Hernandez and homicide. Take it on team 3d course bubba ray devon brother ray and brother devon oh man i hope they don't hear this they're gonna take this down (laughs) (laughs) brother devon brother ray they're here and they are uh 
is their first foray into challenging for the NWA tag team titles because they wanted to work from the bottom when they got there. So they've, you know, beaten other preliminary tag teams. They sent the naturals pack in, I guess. Mm. And uh, it's got a little personal on impacts because, you know, 3D is like, look, there's only one team left and that's you, the champions. And then LAX attacks Spike Dudley in the ring, which for context, people, this is around Christmas time. This happens. So Spike Dudley was dressed as Santa Claus and throwing presents into the crowd. I would not open that. Um, <laughs> but then LAX no. took out Santa Spike. They beat up Santa Spike in the middle of the ring. And then <laughs> Team 3D, they come back and they take out the LAX uh, manager Conan. So we're just, it's a little tit for tit we got going on here. Now There's we got a, uh, a tag title match. <laughs> what do you think about this match? I guess the match itself. And- it was as bare bones basic as you could get as it for a tag mm-hmm. match and there really wasn't anything special about it um it did fine you know and everyone hit their spots and everything uh i thought homicide and hernandez were a great team uh, at oh, that yeah. time there were two guys that you know were just kind of put together as happenstance and uh they were both in ring of honor too at the same time so they kind of had known, known each other from there and then you put the two of them together and they did really well homicide could work with anybody especially back then he was you know one of those big king of the indies type dudes and a good mm-hmm. guy too his d was real nice and uh, hernandez is cool too a really nice guy and um uh, the dudleys were well excuse me team 3d say they're gonna sue again there you um, go. they were the established tag team and they knew what they had to do they're trying to build this they're not gonna just glom them take them all out in the first shot we need to build this up and get to a point where people want to see this happen so for that case that's why you get the finish we get in this match which i believe we will get to I'd rather not, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Here we go. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I guess, first of all, everybody's still recovering from that previous segment. So the crowd Mm -hmm. is very much down at this point. I don't know if they were ever really being being able to brought back. I guess maybe Joe and Kurt, but um, Bubba's wrestling in a T-shirt and jeans. What do you think of that fashion choice? Uh, I kind of did that, so. <laughs> but it's like <laughs> it's not like wrestler jeans, you know what I mean? Like this, these look like he just got them at the mall, and he's got like a new T-shirt. It just looks like he's a, a guy on the street, not like well, a hardcore wrestler. Also, he's basically doing the uh, the McFoley thing. He's got the flannel, you know, vet, uh, cut off thing yeah. going. So he's doing that at the time, which I think was a rib because. Not a rib, but I think it was an acknowledgement because two years earlier at the one night stand pay-per-view for ECW and WWE, Foley said uh, that people called him a uh, people called Foley a dime store version of Terry Funk. And he always thought that Bubba Ray was a dime store version of him. So that's why <laughs> Bubba was wearing the flannel just like Foley was. Right. But I like um, it. But uh, him and, and Devon, way to go on that uh, <clears throat> natural development, dude. <laughs> looks fantastic. Total, a lot of total chicken breast. breast. A lot of chicken team. breast. Oh, so much chicken. Yeah, a lot of creatine. But um, they were trying to build. You know, they're trying to build the story and get there. So, because they've been around the business, they do the business. One of the best tag teams of all time. That cannot be denied. Sorry, folks. But mm. um, with this match, you're not going to get the big blow up because it's not that time yet. So, it's going to be as basic as you can get. And then we have the chicanery to make sure that that the team 3d doesn't look weak, but the other guys keep the belts. Right? No. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the match is what it is. It's, it's very generic. And I guess to your point, we're not trying to blow our load right away. You know, we're saving, we got to edge a little bit. 
and we'll mm-hmm. get there. But um, <laughs> Homicide and Bubba, they have a fun little moment where Homicide spits his gum at Bubba. I'm sorry, Brother Ray. And then Brother yeah. Ray takes the gum and puts it in his own mouth and then spits it back at him. I think I got lost. It was like, you know, those <laughs> ball under the cup games. It was hard to keep track of. <laughs> Um, they have a fun, bro- I mean, for whatever reason, the intensity of homicide and Bubba Ray going at it on the outside, like shoving each other into the barricades. It felt a little real at, at times, but oh, it, yeah, yeah. Homicide was not above, like, you know, <laughs> like go ahead, hit me, dude. Oh, yeah, they, they were challenging right each other. Yeah, he's, he was not um, gonna back down. We get the classic, uh, Dudley Boy stuff, the waza headbutt. We get 3D on homicide. Mm-hmm. But before uh, they can pin homicide, I think the ref was distracted at some point. I don't know. It's TNA. Who cares? Um, Santa Spike comes back out. Spike Dudley apparently still hasn't taken his Santa outfit off. And uh, I guess he's now acquired a drinking problem all yep. of a sudden. Comes out there with, uh, was it like a Smirnoff? You, you recall? It was like a, yeah, I think it was like a mini Smirnoff type thing. It's Probably weird like schnapps or some kind of stuff. It was the holiday That's season. Like, so, you know. That's <laughs> the headline around in catering. I guess it's all the only choice they had. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Spike Dudley is drunk. So he comes out and goes to the top rope and does a splash on the homicide. But the ref sees this and DQs the Dudleys because their drunk half brother came out dressed as Santa and got them DQ'd for no reason. Thoughts? That's what brothers do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially yeah. half especially brothers. Especially if you're especially if you're a Dudley or a team 3D brother thing, buddy half brother set a 3d i think their last name is 3d their last name is 3d okay so yeah when you're a 3d bro um you know that's that's just what you do that's just what you do hey my my buddies are getting beat up hold on i'll be right back this is gonna be fun oh look i look like santa claus i like this this is pretty good are you were you a member of the dudley's no reindeer yeah so yeah he just goes out there hey and hey and ding 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 so I guess, yeah, I guess we're just we're extending the story. We're not going to yeah. win the titles on uh, this pay-per-view, I guess. Maybe Hell we'll wait no, for please. this ain't not for glory. Come on. Maybe never. Yeah, it's the only one that matters. Yep. Um, but something that was bound for glory was this next match. Mm-hmm. We finally get something a little tasty to digest. We got a 30 minute Iron Man match to be the number one contender to the world title. We got Kurt Angle versus Samoa. Joe, mm. match of the night. I think match, it's match of, of the night, right? night. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, pretty safe to say. But I, I'm, I will say that I'm, um, I was happy to see because the feud had gotten kind of Russo fied a bit on on these impacts. Because at first it was just straight sports style, like I don't like you, you don't like me, we're gonna fight. Ah, that's what's gonna happen. And uh, the previous two matches, because they've had two matches at this point, they've each won one. But Joe won the second match, which put them at one and one. And Kurt, who had previously said, ah, we're not fighting more than twice. This is going to be nope. it. <laughs> so naturally, when he loses, he kind of blows a gasket. He's beating up people backstage and he uh, demands a rematch from Samoa Joe. But Joe doesn't want to give it to him. So what does Kurt do? Well, he finds a random woman. Holds her hostage, <laughs> holds her ankle hostage as an Olympian would do as he's here to wrestle mm-hmm. real wrestling. Hey, let me find this, this tomato backstage and <laughs> hold her at ankle point. So, um, but Joe's in the ring. Kurt this is on impact leading up to the show. Kurt is on the stage with this woman. He's, she, he says, 
I'm going to break her ankle if you don't give me a rematch. And Joe's like, fine, fine, okay, all right, just chill. And then Kurt's like, well, I'm going to break her ankle anyway. So he breaks her ankle, and then he's dead. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why we're here. <laughs> but Again, they kept those it, shenanigans out of the match, though. It's, yeah, it's, it's, sometimes the, the, the trip to get to where you need to go is rough, but sometimes the experience is great after the fact. So that's it's what about the friends here. we made on the way, right? Right, so. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the match is, I mean, so it's Iron Man match. So naturally, mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, several falls. But I like how they did it here. It's similar to, I don't know if you remember, the ultimate submission match between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit from 2001. It was kind of similar oh to this because like hmm. a guy would lock a submission in and then the guy in the hold would tap quick to preserve themselves mm. so they could finish the match and ultimately score more. So I like that level of yeah. psychology here. Because mm-hmm. Joe and, and Angle are doing the same thing. It's ankle lock versus the choke. And I just thought I thought this match built really well. And uh, it was a relatively clean finish, which I was surprised. But yeah. um, I thought it was a really fun match. Which kind of goes, but it also, at the same time, it duplicates two other matches on the show. It duplicates the storyline of the opening match, Last Man Standing, because you're going to have multiple falls. And it duplicates the, uh, the the PCS match because there's holding a hold until the time limit runs. Wow. So there's like, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, there's those aspects to it too. However, this, you don't remember that stuff when this match game be, begins because Joe and angle are so like legitimate. You believe them, you right? Believe anything these guys do hurts and they can kill you. You totally believe that. So that's where it's like th- that, that what I was just talking about is a very narrow focused, you know, that's like the Booker vision of it. Uh, yeah, but they're doing this. Well, you look at the Y picture like, oh, wait a minute. People ain't going to give a shit right. <laughs> about that stuff. Yeah. Once you get these two guys in the ring, it's it's going to be all them and they're going to create art, which they did. So, right. Love the yeah. story they told, like you said, and the great back and forth. The selling that these guys would do for each other Ooh. is off the charts. This is stuff that people need. That wrestlers nowadays, this is one of those matches they need to sit down, take those notes and just see mm. how they sell it and then when it's time to tap, when it's not time to tap, and how it builds and builds and builds till up until the end. Yeah, no, I, I specifically noted Joe specifically because he spent so much time of this match in the ankle lock, so right. he would limp whenever he would do anything, which was very refreshing to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, walking through the falls in this match, so Joe gets the choke on Kurt. And Kurt taps like right away because, like I said, he doesn't want to pass out and not be able to recover and then ultimately lose the entire match. Mm-hmm. So Joe's up 1 0, ankle lock gets locked in on Joe eventually, 1 1, and then another ankle lock. So Kurt Angle's up 2 1. Uh, muscle Buster gets hit from Joe to Kurt Angle, so it's 2 2. Uh, Kurt locks in, uh, I think he just gets a roll up on Joe and yeah. gets a fall, so it's 3 to 2, Kurt Angle. So it's 3-2 Kurt. We're working our way towards the end. The intention intensity kind of ramps up. They go to the outside when you know Kurt Angle's like half trying to stall, trying to run down the clock, I guess. But Joe continues after him. But Kurt Angle's kind of taking advantage of the uh the damage he's done to the ankle at this point. He's smashing Joe's ankle against the ring post, making Joe chase him. Ultimately, though, Samoa Joe's able to hit the muscle buster, goes for the pin, but Kurt gets his foot on the ropes. One minute left. Uh, Joe locks in the ankle lock, but Kurt is able to hold on and refusing the tap. 
So Kurt Angle wins three, three two. two. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought the intensity, especially towards the end right. there, when it was getting a little more desperate, and mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was a fun match. It, it wasn't an Iron Man match that like dragged on like a lot. Ken. No, that's the other thing too is the pacing of it. You know, because when they start right. out, they're going. It's a little bit slower. It's the feeling out process happening in the ring. But then you got to have enough in the tank to kick it in at the end there. It it reminded me a lot, too, of the um, the the three match series that Punk had with Joe and Ring of Honor mm-hmm. because they did two full one hour matches. And then the other the last one, which is like thirty five, something like that, not even. And uh, so you have to have enough there and pace yourself enough to where, OK, 50 minutes in, we got to get going now. Then you got to have enough to really kick it in because now the crowd is like, you need to get them back in. They just sat there for 50 minutes. You got to right. pick it up in the ring. And that's what they do here. So that's mastery at, at its finest about telling that story. So, yeah. And and leading up to, you know, what eventually would be the the biggest drawing buy rate ever of TNA was the the cage match they had. So, All right. And, that's where yeah. Joe won the title, right? Yep. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And then there was the. King of the Mountain match where Joe let Angle win, but we're not going to talk about that. No. But um, but yeah, all leading up to that, just the way they built, like it was like a UFC type thing, type thing, because there was two legitimate guys, like I said before, that you could mm-hmm. believe were going to kill each other, and then you put him in a cage, and it's like an MMA thing because Kurt's got his feet taped up and his hands taped up and everything. He's going into this like it's a shoot, so and then they delivered with that match and. Fortunately, they couldn't keep the momentum going. Go figure with TNA, but uh, at yeah. that time. But um, yeah, regardless of that, this is the match to watch on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they've been building Joe so well at this point. The only guy he's lost to is Kurt. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm curious because I, I don't exactly remember what he does after this, but I think him and Kurt, I mean, I guess they still are intertwined and Joe will be in the title picture, I guess. But uh, we got to find out who Joe's eventually going to face. Right. For the uh, well, I guess Kurt won the number one contenders, but we get to you know later down the road. Um, we got the NWA world title on the line. We got the mm-hmm. champion Abyss defending in a three way against Sting and Christian Cage. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a lot of very relevant names uh, still yeah. nowadays. Again, to this to this day, and <laughs> that's another weird thing about everyone we just mentioned. Almost everyone we just mentioned is still involved. Joe, AEW yeah. champion. Sting is still in AEW, still wrestling. You know, I know he's going to be done soon, but um, at the time of this recording, he's not. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's happening. And Abyss is working behind the scenes in WWE as a producer. And Christian has had another resurgence of a career in AEW. Yeah. So it's nuts how this <laughs> these guys are able to extend their careers as much as they are. It's so funny how you run down like how many AEW champions were on this show 20 years ago. It's just, yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Wrestling, man. Wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling's um, weird like that. So it's weird for stories like this because mm-hmm. uh, we got Abyss. And uh, so the newly the champion, he's with James Mitchell, of course, yes. Father James Mitchell. Love James Mitchell. But we're starting to see a little tension between Abyss and James because Sting goes to Abyss. He's like, hey, pal, I think you're your own man. I don't think uh, I don't think this this red suited idiot should be uh, <laughs> walking you around with a leash. And then Abyss yeah. is like, maybe, maybe you're right, Stinger. So it's been this kind of tug of war between Sting and James Mitch- Mitchell for Abyss's love. And eventually Abyss kind of stands, you know, strong with Mitchell by his side. So, and and Christian over here, this slimy rat on the outside is like, Hey, my new, my boy Tomko, who is newly in TNA. 
Tomko knows a secret about you, Abyss. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's implied that he did something in prison. I don't know if it's the fact that he went to prison or if he did something in prison. I don't really remember how the story unfolds. <laughs> we don't really get any clarification here. Um, he, he was dating some chick. I think she was sister to Katie Vick. I don't know. Oh, I see. Sorry yeah, for her loss. Lines. I Sorry for her loss. Yeah. yeah, wrestling. I don't know. I mean, Abyss and Kane are pretty much the same thing. So there's probably a Katie Vick equivalent, right? Yeah. 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 Probably Kathy Vick. Mm -hmm. um but this match this is a rematch of the previous previous pay-per-view where they had a three-way match and that match i was i didn't really do a lot for me and i don't really know if this one did it it was definitely more interesting this match was in the previous match i'll say Mm -hmm. that maybe for better or worse um but oh i should also mention before we talk about the match uh tomko is in a cage because i don't know why you can't just leave him in the back maybe just say you're barred from rings no we gotta get a cage yeah um in reality, on Impact, they put Christian in a cage, and I'm convinced that they bought a cage, set it up, and wrote an angle about it just so they can say, <laughs> cage in a cage. Cage in a cage, yeah, you're right, yeah. And now they just have this cage, so they're like, we're going to get our money's worth worth for this cage, so we're going to put Tomko mm-hmm. in it. But he, uh, wouldn't you know it, he finds the keys somehow <laughs> when the security guy, the key holder next to, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because there's so much to talk about this match. Yeah, there is. Thoughts, I guess. <laughs> it's just uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I didn't hate the match. Didn't love it either. Uh, you know, three ways are tough. And they already had one on this show. And uh, that was a different pace. Um, you know, that was a much faster pace matchup. So this one's good, got the title involved. We have the storyline going. Um, you know, like you said, with Sting's trying to help Abyss become his own man. And Mitchell's like, no, he's my monster. You can't have him, you know. And uh, yeah. Cage is trying to be this slimy little prick to slip in there. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Dead dad. You know, so right. <laughs> just going to do his thing. So the guys involved all know what they're doing and it, they do what they can. Um, and that's where I'm saying I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. It's there. It's a solid match for what it was and does the business it needs to do. That's that's where. That's where you really had to come down to the bottom line. What was the business of the match? It was to get the belt on Christian. So they right. did that, and they did it in a way where he came off looking slimy and you know smarmy, um, kind of like what we saw earlier in the show with Saban again. So you know, there's that duplication thing that probably got hashed down the meeting, and nobody's like, ah, who cares? We're just doing it anyway. Nobody's gonna remember. Okay, thanks, right. bro. But um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was what it was. But that was, I believe, that is right around the time where the NWA was pulling out of TNA. Uh, I think it was That's that close. year. I, I think yeah, it was I that think year. Yeah, I was when they officially, officially got rid of it, or maybe or slightly before that. So what I know wrong? Christian is the last guy in TNA to hold the NWA world title. Right. So, right. Yeah, because it, it comes to a point when uh, Team 3D get the tag titles. And then right after they, they became NWA tag team champions, they could say that. Mm-hmm. And it was soon after that that the NWA pulled out um, their the because TNA never really acknowledged you know the uh, the licensing deal that they had with NWA at the time. Right. Anyway, so yeah, it wasn't NWA TNA anymore. It was no marketed as TNA. So, mm-hmm. but um, this match, so it's also an elimination match. Which I don't know. In my yeah, opinion, yeah. all three ways should be elimination. What do you what do you say to that? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see that. I think it adds an a, an aspect to it, so you can 
have that situation like, okay, yeah, this person's going to try to save that person because they want to get the win. So that adds that aspect right. to it. But once we get down to two people, now we know everyone's on the same leveling playing field now. Mm-hmm. And we can just go from there. So I think that was another thing that uh, it was a three-way dance or was it a triangle match or, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things too. It just kind of changes change the rules as you need to and just make up a new name for it you know, yeah. stay ahead of the law but um it was it was fine in this situation it made sense and um it's thing is uh out first or is it or is it uh, so this, abyss. this is out first excuse me I'm so this is out first mm-hmm. sting eliminates abyss with the scorpion death drop and uh abyss of course takes no kindly to this so he uh goes to attack sting or no sting reaches out his hand to abyss you know, like, hey, sorry, pal. You know, I had to do what I had to do. It's no no hard feelings. But Abyss is like, yeah, actually, I think there is hard feelings. So he grabs Sting by the neck. Mitchell says, do it. Hit, slam him. But Abyss lets Sting go, uh, seemingly having some compassion for the Stinger. And um, I think that's it, right? Does Abyss just leave or is there thumbs I think he just leaves. Or, yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, no, Mitchell comes back out. That's what happened. Mitchell comes uh, back out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Christian takes advantage of all this distraction and whatnot, beats on Sting for a little bit. Uh, but Sting fights back and it hits a superplex to Christian. And then this is when James Mitchell comes back out to distract Sting because Mitchell's still upset that a, his monster was eliminated by him. So he's trying to get his comeuppance, I guess. Uh, Sting locks in the death lock onto Christian. While this is happening, Mitchell on the outside hits the key holder, which why is there a key holder? Like it's a guy holding the key. Like that's his one job. Like you'd think you'd get like a more secure system than that. I don't know. But, um, Mitchell takes the key, unlocks Tomko from the cage. Tomko gets in there. He just clears house. It's a, it's like a fireman's carry neck breaker on the sting. Christian pins Sting, but only gets a two count. And then Tomp goes back in as Christian has the ref. Sting takes Tomp go out, but Abyss is back. Oh, wait, Abyss is back. Okay. He, uh, <laughs> he takes out Tomko on the outside, so he's getting rid of that factor, and they fight to the backsta- backstage area. Sting hits the unprettier on the Christian for a two count. And then Christian, wouldn't you know, it accidentally takes out the ref, a ref bump here <laughs> in TNA. Who would have thought? Never happens. Uh, Mitchell's in Kane shot to the back of Sting, but Sting, he no sells it. He hulks up, but then Abyss with a chain wrapped around his fist clocks Sting in the back of the head. And Christian hits a frog splash on this broken carcass for the win and becomes Uh the new NWA champion. Now I'm sure people listening are like, what, what? That was very yeah. confusing how you just said that, but no, it's just as confusing if you watch yeah. it. It's over so booking, over booking one on one, just run-ins yeah. and ref bumps and gimmicks and just ah, uh, and, and I've been there. I've been there. You know, you, right. you that's being in the bubble. That's that bubble mentality. Like, well, we have to do this because if we did it like this, it would not make sense. Like, it does not freaking matter. Just yeah. get it over with. So you could have it. This you could have. Pin Abyss, he's gone, and then you could just had a situation where Tomko, because he's supposed to be a big tough guy, could break out of the cage, maybe. I don't know. Right. And then he distracts the referee, grab the belt, blomp, turn around, Christian covers thing, one, two, three. Just do that instead of having all this other shit happening going on there. But, again, when you're in the bubble, you don't think that way. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a hat. To say it's a hat on a hat would be an understatement. I, th- mm. I mean, Abyss turns on Sting twice in one match, which like how stu- Sting with Ric Flair earlier in his career. I mean, Sting <laughs> might just be the dumbest guy in wrestling. Might I be. Think. Yeah, that's um, the other. That's the other thing too. Is like the mentality of wrestlers in yeah. some situations just make no sense. Too deep in that bubble, man. Let me tell Way you. Way too deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like this, like in an overall sense. I like how this is basically Abyss and Sting having their very personal layered feud, and then Christian just coming through the back door and stealing the title and then running away. Like I like that mm-hmm. aspect of it. And to me, this is some of Christian's best work, maybe up until now yeah. in AW. So, and this title wins a big part in launching that part of his career. So yeah. all in all, I was fine with it. I, I, I'm a, my guilty pleasure is these type of overbooking finishes. <laughs> like when Jeff Jarrett would do it or, you know, oh, previous yeah. year in TNA. And so, and I grew up in the attitude era. So that kind of stuff's like right. second yeah. nature. To ECW, me, so. you saw them constantly, especially with, oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. back in the day of the Raven dreamers matches and the Raven Sandman matches. And I mean, mm. those were set up as legit false finishes because they weren't on network TV at the time. So it made, you could do, do a little bit and get away with it. Then it right. just became formulaic. All right. Rep. How many times do you see nowadays? Ref bump. Yeah, all the fans just look, turn and look because they know someone's coming. <laughs> so right, you just ruined it for the business by doing all those things—the hot shot, hot shot, hot shot—and mm-hmm. eventually, it just like you can't get us anymore because we know everything. Okay, how about we go the complete opposite direction? We don't have any ref bumps. We actually give our refs credibility. We actually give our authority no, no, no. figures credibility. <gasps> what? That'd so, be silly. Yeah, totally silly. It never work. Never. Work. You're just being a goofy goober over there is what I would say yeah, part of my language. Yeah, no, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, no. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, it was, like you said, there's a lot of duplication within the match and on the card as a whole um, from that main event. But, um, I mean, new champion, I guess you got your marquee moments. You got the last man standing and all that, mm-hmm. the VKM things. Like, for better or worse, there was a lot of, culminations on this show it was a lot yep. of storyline beats good or bad but they were they were doing stories um in their own way their own tna way but mm-hmm. uh that brings final resolution 07 to a close any other thoughts on the show anything that we may have uh, skipped over i don't think so i think we covered everything uh with with this particular show but it it, it definitely is a time capsule for that time in the business to where right it's it's getting to the end of the, I guess you could say the golden era of TNA because that 2004 to 2006 to 2007 time at TNA was really solid and was some of the best. Bound for Glory 2005 still go down, in my opinion, as a fantastic pay-per-view. It's it's up there as one of the best ones ever, just mm-hmm. the way it was built and the way it was booked. Um, and as time went on, you know, there was changes happening backstage as they always do and there's power struggles and there's drama and, you know, also, this time, too, it's like WWE is trying to snatch up talent. TNA is trying to bring them in from Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is just trying to survive at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird time for the business to see uh, what's happening. And But I didn't the show was not something I think that was like to be cast away. It's a it's a good show. It's not a great one. It's not fantastic. We don't do stars. Sorry, we don't do that. Not not Meltzer. <laughs> but um, but th- definitely you watch the show. You watch it for Angle and Joe. And you can watch it for the X Division match and, you know, various other little things. You don't watch it for the, the 
for the PCS thing. I don't watch it for that. You don't watch it for the VKM thing either. And <laughs> you don't necessarily have to watch it for the main event. So, but it's 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 good nonetheless. Yeah, I think it's kind of a good like representation of what TNA was in this time period because you have like the really good wrestling and then the you know the opposite, the the mm-hmm. absolute opposite of all those things. So. Um, it was lots of highs, lots and lows, but you know, look, you can't get off Scott free, but speaking of Scott, Mr. Scott, Hi. appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you <laughs> checking you out so the much. show, coming on, talking so about where can everybody find you and look oh. at you and listen to that sultry, sultry voice in there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You can find me on YouTube under it's oh. Mr. Scott. I do reaction videos on there mostly to uh, reactions to metal. I am the middle aged metal head. So that is my thing. So it's mostly metal songs on there. Um, I also am on Twitch. I do Twitch streams. I don't play games. Uh, I play music. And uh, as you can see behind me, I have uh, some axes back there. One legit like bass axe right there. Um, mm-hmm. So I do play music on there. I play metal music. Um, I'll sometimes do improv jams to jazz beats or blues beats or whatever. And then you might see me jamming some Metallica on there too. Um, I'm uh, yeah. I have a Tee Public merch store. Quick shout out to my boy Doug Hills, who I've known for about 20 plus years. He designed this t-shirt. The, uh, the Island of Relevancy t-shirt that was sold a while ago. Nice. He's designed a lot of t-shirts for WWE. You might be wearing one right now. You may don't even know it. But yeah, Doug Hills, Ooh. find him and give him some love. He deserves it. Um, so you find me on Public Merch Store. Uh, you find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all under Mr. Scott. I do a lot of stupid stuff on there, too. And uh, yeah, you, you can find me all those different places as well. And um, the other thing I wanted to plug is recently... Uh, Graciously, I became a published author. I have a nice. story that was uh, published in an anthology. It's called Stranger with Friction Issue 9, and it is available on Amazon. You can pick it up. It's only like 10 bucks. My story, Ooh. Seven Souls to Hell, is Hello. featured in that, in that book. So, uh, yeah, you can check that out if you like. So the one thing I've left to do in my life is to be in a movie, and I'm trying to do that. <laughs> I can be Maybe. in a movie. I've, already, I've, I've done the recording thing. I've been in bands. I've done the wrestling thing. And... Um, I've, I've gotten to be a published author too. So I want to get in the movie someday, but uh, that's, we got time for that, but this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, yeah. sir, for having me on here. Appreciate it. Hope we can do this again sometime. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk. Uh, I mean, I'm a musician too. I play a little bass clarinet, so maybe we could, you know, do a little uh, duet, a little guitar. Uh, yes, and bass absolutely. Clarinet. absolutely. Dude, you can run distortion through that. Can't you? Uh-huh. I haven't yeah. played in like 10 years. I don't <laughs> even remember how to. <laughs> <laughs> basically that's the most annoying instrument i don't know why i chose it i don't know about that i don't know it's like what's it's, your most anno- what's the most annoying instrument scott most annoying me. instrument is yeah. probably um what's that thing they do in the south ding 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 that thing that mouth thing you know that, that well what thing I, sorry i think you cut out could you do it again oh sorry did i cut out on you like that sorry yeah, yeah, yeah test one two check one two testes one two three it's that thing that the southern bands have they have the thing in the mouth yeah that thing i don't remember what it's called i was just gonna see how many times i can get you to do that hold on it's like yeah i'm gonna walk out you just keep doing that for about two hours and i'll come back let's go (laughs) (laughs) once again thank you to scott for joining me on this lovely lovely episode it was a great time having mr scott on the pod go check him out all of the social medias He's an author, he's a musician, he's a wrestler, and he's just a swell, swell guy. So go give him a follow. Go give me a follow if you want. If you don't want to, I don't blame you. Um, I think that's about all we got, huh? 
I think, uh, I mean, after this TNA episode, I'm a little, <laughs> it was a lot, it was a lot, but it was a fun time. TNA is always a, uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates, but if you open up the box, there's like a, a grenade, a dead person's ear, and, uh, and then some chocolates. And then and, and, and then some delicious chocolates, but there's also like bat feces and a severed porcupine's head, you know. So but with that, <laughs> I'll love you, I'll leave you. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Love you all. I'm hard. Yeah. Talk around and disregard it Trip you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud, nothing can knock it Let's get it started It's the hardest Talk around and disregard it Trip you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud